0: Hi, and welcome to School of Hustle. I'm your host, Sarah, and this is the show where we chat with everyday entrepreneurs about everything that goes into starting a new venture. New York City is known for modern, high-end, and chic everything, from fashion to furniture. And today's guest knows a lot about that as the owner of four furniture stores in the city. Nikki Chang is the co-founder of Calligaris NYC, a furniture and lifestyle design shop with four New York locations. Calligaris is a 97 year old Italian brand headquartered in Italy that offers high quality and sophisticated luxury furniture at an affordable price point. Nikki, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Are you uh, <laughs> calling us from Caligaris location in New York? Yes, I'm actually at my um, 18th Street location on in Chelsea. Ah, and you have four locations in Manhattan or do you have locations outside of Manhattan as well? Um, I have
1: one on 57 and third, okay And then this one 18 between 6 and 7, uh, one in Soho
0: and then one is in Dumbo. You've worked with some very high level people like Mary J. Blige, uh, Kid Cuddy, Lucy Liu, Susan Sarandon. How did you get those connections? Did they walk in the store? Was it referral based? I mean, these are big names that you're working with.
1: Actually, a, a lot of them are through referral. And huh. also, I don't know, a lot of people like Lucy Liu walked in. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so she walked in and she, uh, we helped her finish her mom's home in Queens.
0: What was the first brand that you that you founded or that you bought? Okay. In 2003,
1: we uh, opened our first store, mm-hmm. uh, which is Bell Concept. So we opened our first store on 30th and Madison, and at that time, that's, you know how that street is Furniture Street right now on 30th, from 30th to yeah. uh, 34th? Yeah. We, are the first, we are the first store there. We live on 32nd in Madison. We used to live there. Okay. And uh, at that time, that was the only rent that we, cannot, we could afford. Um, the, the building who decided to rent it to us at a very low price is because they probably saw potential from us and, yeah. and believed in us. And, um, and we had a good tenure there. Two years after the first store, we have our second store gotcha. uh, on 18th Street, which is this one. And uh, in, I think by 2012, mm-hmm. we have nine stores. I lost count, but- uh, Wow. Um, <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's this snowballing because, you know, once you get one going, uh-huh. it, it is really just, is copy and paste. Yeah. But, um, Little did we know, uh, the bigger it gets, the less connection we have with our staff.
0: Right. Um, Because you you can't be everywhere. It's impossible.
1: Yeah. And I I remember we used to have a store in Long Island. And um, and before I went there was before I was pregnant with my son. Mm -hmm. And I remember bringing my son to the store when he was a couple months old and then and then they asked me when was the last time you were here I'm like just recently and then I thought oh my god it's more than a year ago
0: <laughs> oh my god! wow in
1: 2017 we gave up Bo Concept
0: okay and did you own did you own any of Caligaris at that point no they didn't allow us oh okay so it was really so, just Bo Concept for the first yeah. 15 years or 40. Yeah,
1: basically, my, my career is really bow Gotcha. That's okay. what people really see me when I first came here, right? Mm-hmm. I was um, I I I was a co and I was a, a a waitress, and I like and I many have, New
0: Yorkers, we just started
1: waiters. <laughs> well, the worst is I hardly speak English. Really, so that was like, yeah, it was it was uh, it was very difficult because you know you know if you work as a coach, you don't really have to talk. Yeah. So if you if you if you know the the menu in a restaurant well enough, you just have to memorize the menu. You know, like you really don't have to talk.
0: Right. Um, you just need um,
1: basic. Like what you would you need like? You just need to work hard. Yeah. 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 But then back home in Malaysia, I have um a, a architecture degree and and I came here for a year in to go to Parson for interior design. Ah okay. I literally got fired in a restaurant because I was a bad waitress. And uh, (laughs) you know what? It's important to
0: know your strengths and your strengths are in furniture. So you're really succeeding there (laughs) in sales. So, so, you know, like, um,
1: and then I'm like, okay, let me look for a job because before I came to New York, I had a pretty good job in, in, in Malaysia. I was working in a firm. Mm -hmm. I was doing window treatment. You know, I have like, um, clientele with like high-end clientele right so then when I came when I when I decided to look for a real job right Mm -hmm. um I went to many interior design firms but no one really no one hired me
0: Um, why do you think that is because of the language barrier I think it's a mix of language barrier
1: and also I didn't have the experience
0: right and they were looking for experience in New York
1: yeah. I right. didn't have that. So I, I, um, at that time I was uh, dating my husband and he, he, he lived on a 32nd and Madison and he goes, um, why don't you, uh, sell furniture on 30th and park? And I said, oh my God, this is beneath me. I, this is, you know, interior designer architect do not sell furniture. Oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, but you just got fired in a restaurant, right? And I'm like, wow, you're right. So then um, I walked into the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just walked into a furniture store in 30th and um, and Park at that time. Okay. Um, and I walked in, and uh, I had my portfolio, and I was confident, and I looked good. Nice. And I I didn't set up an interview. I just walked in, and I saw my ex boss, and I said. Um, looking for a job and he goes, <laughs> we didn't say much. And he goes, you're hired. Wow. And I'm like, you don't want to look at my um, resume or my yeah. portfolio. He goes, no, you're pretty.
0: <laughs> wow. I was so mad. Yeah. Cause it's like, I have so much experience. It's more than just how I look. I get yes. it. I totally get yes. it.
1: I was like, no, he didn't say that. Yeah. Right. So then he was like, by the way, is it, you know, I um you can call it a job, but it's uh it's all commission. You have no base, you Whoa. get five percent of whatever you sell. I was like, this guy is really something, okay? That's- so I yes, it was a crazy I, I was like, but I had no choice. You know, it's either that or
0: Right, or or not have
1: any money really. Yeah, because at that time I already went to many interviews that, you know, like no one hired me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. Yeah. So I asked him, how much do people sell monthly? You have three staff right now. Mm -hmm. Your furniture is (laughs) crap. The selection is just not making sense. But how much do people sell a month? So he told me around. 60,000 to 100,000 a month. So I figured 5% of that okay. is 3,000 and up a month. Yeah, That is more than working in a restaurant. Right. So then I'm like, huh. And on top of that, I don't have to work late and I don't have to do long hours. It's just, and it to me at that time, it's like, it makes sense. So I'm like, you know what? This is so easy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's easy because you're good at it <laughs> I think I you have know. really I'm good like, taste Jesus, and I mean... you were able to like direct people with what what vision they had for their apartment really easily and that's why you have such beautiful collections today yeah thank you thank you so but
1: but you know he he taught me a lot you know he says you know like you know how to sell how to like um, uh, communicating with 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 customers, working customers, how to you know um, upsell. There's a lot of things that he helped me. Um, uh, I think a year and a half into work, working for him, um, I was able to negotiate what I want to you know to to be there. I guess.
0: And what do you uh, mean negotiate? What you what you wanted? You negotiate a higher Well, I
1: think running? towards the towards the end, uh, the last six months, I was there. I was working maybe three, four days a week. Okay. And and my commission was a lot higher. Mm. Um and um, Very good. Well at that time he really can't say no to me because I um I changed the collection of the floor. Okay. What they show, I became top salesperson. Wow. So in sales, in, in, in this industry, you know, when when you sell the most. You you are the boss. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) And so at what point did you realize, why am I working for someone else? I should just do this myself? Well, that came in when I realized what New
1: York City is lacking. This is early 2000, right? There is no um, modern furniture store that is mid-price range in New York City. Zero. Yeah. There is no CB2 no room and board, um, no West Ham, right? Yeah. So modern furniture store that is available in the market was Ikea.
0: Oh, really? That was but it. Who
1: buys Ikea after you graduated from college? That's
0: true. Right? Yeah. So yeah. then
1: that group of people, where do they buy furniture? Yeah. And they're in the late, like mid-20s. 30s, and that group of people, mid price range modern furniture, was lacking in New York City. Who would have thought, right? Right. So then I found um, a bold concept in a magazine, mm-hmm.
0: Metropolitan
1: Home. I don't think this magazine is still around. Um, at that time, we just renovated our. Um, um, we just got married and renovated our apartment and we really had problem lo- looking for mid-price range furniture that is modern for someone in the 20s at that time i was in my i was 26 years old so then i when i when i saw both concept ad the sofa was a thousand and up you know with, with like really good looks and all that and and you know i at that time when we first opened the store it was it was hard because the logistic was a mess up because yeah. they were very young as a franchise, and we were very young as a franchise, mm-hmm. um, um, and everything was made in Europe, and it takes four months
0: to oh, wow. get
1: delivery. And you know, it's many many challenges uh, at the beginning of the 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 journey to when we started Bo Concept. But um, but the good thing about this brand is. People are willing to willing to wait.
0: And are you able to shorten that delivery time frame?
1: No, we came out with uh, ideas to stock.
0: Oh, that's uh, smart. Um,
1: stock your best sellers
0: on, and things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, based on the numbers, because we have enough stores to to um, to have numbers to show what sell most. Right. So we would stock
0: those. So this was in two thousand three. You opened Bo Concept. Mm. And at what point did you open the next location of Bow Concept? Like how quick was that uh, process? Two years. Okay. And eventually you said you got to nine locations? And then we sold one and closed one. Okay. So
1: seven stores by the time we switched from, from Bow Concept to Caligaris. But then we realized that um, um, retail furniture industry have many
0: challenges and some uh, of the challenges share them i mean obviously delivery i mean time.
1: waiting time is the biggest challenge yeah. right and because now you know um, caligaris is, is a great brand to work with the 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 uh the quality is great mm-hmm. um uh, but then there's i have many competitors now it's very different from back then before cv2 or room and board came right so both concept expanded quite effortlessly with a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work. Meanwhile, I think switching brand in my late in my 40s is actually harder than starting a new brand in my 20s. And
0: why do you think that is?
1: I think we didn't think that people buy brands. We thought people just buy furniture.
0: We kept our
1: location and really switched the brand almost overnight people walk in and say why is it so different so we we would try to convince them this is better higher quality uh-huh. made in italy but people still don't they you know it, it's hard to convince people on something they have already know so yeah it took us it really took us three years to relaunch Mm-hmm. and and to me that part of the work is actually a lot harder than setting up a business and because I, I one of the reason is because I have so much expectation
0: yeah. and I
1: just thought that someone just come in and buy a sofa but they don't really just buy a sofa you know they buy uh, they have this mindset to buy a bow concept sofa and now I'm mm-hmm. trying to convince them to buy a category sofa which is better
0: Right, because you you already know you have a familiarity yes. with the brand, and so yes, Kelly Garis, people aren't familiar with that brand, and so you had at that to, at that time, yeah, yeah. So it took us. The funny thing is, it really took us three three years
1: because wow. um, before the pandemic in uh, uh February this year, we finally hit our goal and oh. reached what I really wanna you know achieve, but then the um, pandemic happened in March, right.
0: So, um, and how have you guys been dealing with that a lot? Almost every business I've spoken to on School of Hustle has, has experienced a decrease in sales, uh, of various levels. Um, and it's been really challenging. Have you experienced, um, similar, similar? Um, yes and no selling higher end brand. Mm -hmm.
1: Save us, really? Um, yeah, wow. I feel like rich people just continue to be rich or richer. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, you know, so both concept is slightly lower end, and Caligaris is slightly higher end, and they're both mid price range. After three years in the industry uh, in New York, mm-hmm. I think people started to realize um, uh, the quality and the look of uh, Caligaris. Um, they tr- started to start started to trust the brand more. A lot of classic pieces, you know, as you said, this brand has been around for over ninety years. In glo- globally, Caligaris is a way bigger brand than Go Concept,
0: but it's just not as well known in New York yet. Yes,
1: we were there in in
0: February, right, with very little um, advertising. Yeah. So, can you talk a little bit about your marketing strategy that you've been using since? Caligaris isn't as well known as Bo Concept. We hardly advertise.
1: It's really worth a mouth. Word of mouth. uh, And when you think about it, um, in
0: the furniture industry in New York City, Mm -hmm. it's only a few big players. Yeah, if I I have to think about it, like the brands that I know are very mainstream. I mean, Ikea, West Elm. Room and board, TV two. Yeah, those are the ones that come which, to mind. To be honest, we are probably the only mom and pop shop,
1: and that's that so special
0: with the, having that element because people really do want to buy uh, from mom and pop shops to support them, especially during this time.
1: Yeah, that's my. Uh, that's why. That's the line I use to close sales. You know, like I would say, you know, I would give them my cell number to like you you know, text me if send any problem with the deliveries. Like, like, you know, people who work with me, they have been with me for over 10 years. You know, my delivery team has been with me.
0: So it sounds like you're a extremely talented salesperson. Would you mind giving some tips for the listeners and viewers out there on how to be an amazing salesperson? Because what you just said right there, I think goes the extra mile. And that's a great example. Just saying, hey, here's my number. If anything goes wrong, you can contact me. I mean, if, if Verizon did that, <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Like if a big brand did that, that would, I would feel so much more connected. So do you have any other tips on on closing a sale or just selling in general? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I own it. So
1: uh, I wanna say you, not just selling. I want to say everything you do, you do it from your heart. Like you really mean it. Yeah. You know, you gain trust from a customer when you really mean it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, when a customer showed me a floor plan, I can easily stir them to buy a, the, the most expensive sofa or the biggest sofa in the living room. But I would not do that. I would make sure that the space work for them. Mm-hmm. not based on my sales number because that to me is more important than anything because when you think about it more than half your life is your home imagine buying the wrong sofa and you stuck with it for
0: 10 years I know I have the wrong sofa so we're gonna have to talk about (laughs) that (laughs) I hate it so much I tried to get rid of it in the last move And I, anyway, go on with your story. So I always
1: tell my customer and my staff, I even tell my staff, you know, don't sell, don't try to sell the most expensive piece just to fulfill your sales goal, you know? Sell the, the right products that fit the customer's lifestyle.
0: Yeah.
1: Because at the end of the day, when they trust you, you really sell the whole house, the whole home. They come to you when they move, They come to you when they have a second home. They come to you when their mom buy a place, the sister buy a place, the neighbor. So that's really the biggest, this really my sales technique to gain trust from people and to do everything from, you know, from your heart, like you really mean it. Same with cooking, same with practice um, yoga, same with raising kids. You know, you can just do it just to do it. You do it just because you mean it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what anyone that is a great business person, a great salesperson, uh, does. When I th- when I think about it, it's just about establishing trust with your customer and your clients. So you mentioned yeah. yoga. I know you're a big yogi. I checked out your Instagram and you're very, very good at that as well. <laughs> uh, all the handstands and things. I'm like, wow, oh, very nice. You. So thank how much does yoga influence you as a business person do you feel like it keeps the flow of both things uh, keeps you grounded absolutely i mean i i have a daily practice
1: i started it um maybe 15 years ago oh wow um just like anything in life you know yoga taught me so much throughout the whole time from 15 years ago like now i what i learned through yoga is different from what i learned eight years ago, mm-hmm. uh, when I first started doing my daily practice was because, you know, I have so much going on in my life. Um, I uh, I mean, if, you know, with all these stories and people keep asking you for decision, you just make a lot of decisions, right? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it can be something they already know. They just want an okay from me. So when, you know, I, I never taught yoga. I just, when, when I practice at, at that time, when I first started, That was the only time that people actually tell me what to do, like an hour, 15 minutes of people telling me what to do instead of me telling them what to do. So, you know,
0: a nice change of pace.
1: Yeah. So I'm like, wow, this is good. And also back then, right. And when you have your own business and have so many people working with you, you feel responsible for them right yeah and and you have to tell them what to do and and ex many in many levels, I don't really listen because i i i i didn't I didn't listen like just you guys do this, you know you mm-hmm. do this, you do this right mm-hmm. so then in a the yoga class, you have to listen right because if not, you can't really like you know what's left side right side there's like so much going on because the flow can be really fast exactly. Right? So for like an hour and a half, I would learn to listen. (laughs) Right? It's as simple as that. Yeah. Years, I'm like, well, I should listen. So throughout the years of me practicing yoga and owning the stores, I also learned to listen to my staff. You know, a lot of things that I think it would sell, I would be like, I just want how this is done. I want the setup to be like this. You know, and then I would go to a different store and I would do the same thing, and then I would learn from others, you know, designers or salespeople are saying that, you know, whatever Nikki Peg doesn't really sell. Then I'm like, you know what? I don't really I, you know, I, I can't be at all the stores at that time. So I started to listen to my staff and say, you know, what, what do you want? What do you think it will sell? Mm. Right? By that, I also get to work less. True. Because they take responsible, the responsibilities for the the showroom that they work at.
0: And you're putting and, trust in your staff, which probably empowers them.
1: Yes, and that was one of the reasons why they stay with me for years. Yeah, you know, some some of them over ten years.
0: I heard that you work with your husband. Is that true? Yes, yes. And what's um, like working with your husband?
1: <laughs> well, a lot of people thought a lot of people think that it's really hard, but um, but um, it's not because. Um, we do different things. Um, okay. He managed uh, he manages the logistics, the the back office, okay, uh, money related uh, um, part of the business, and I deal with the showroom uh, staff, sales,
0: the front end of the of the business. Gotcha. Um, so you are kind of separated.
1: I'm not going to lie. The beginning is hard. You know, we, yeah. we, uh, we fought over little things until we define, you know, the fine line in, in the business where I take care of this and he takes care of that. And, and I don't get into what he does. I don't ask for the detail. I really don't. And may, maybe because of that, he also doesn't ask me. Gotcha. And I get, I guess we, we trust that he's not going to do anything crazy and i and i won't and then our intention and our goal is the same you know goal is to sell a lot of furniture Mm -hmm. you know
0: and and uh with the same goal with just different work you know and that helps keep your relationship intact both in a family way but also in a business way
1: yeah, yeah, we're good friends, you
0: know, it's uh, uh, a, a great dynamic between the both of us. So I'm curious, do you have a favorite piece of furniture that you have in your home that you're just like, ah, oh, this is the best thing I've ever purchased or found? And
1: To be honest, no.
0: <laughs> I bet your home <laughs> is beautiful. I'm so curious, like what your home looks like. It's probably the nicest home in New York City. <laughs>
1: Well, if I tell you, you will laugh. And I actually, everything I have at home is a customer return.
0: No way. <laughs> because you can't sell it anymore, right? It's either a floor model that has been around
1: for too long. Wow. Or I have a, I have a, I live in a loft. We live in a loft. So I have a lot of space. Right. So then, or, or either the, the, the sofa is too big. I mean, we generate sales out of it in, in the showroom. And when people order it, they order smaller. Right. So a bigger piece will not fit in most Manhattan apartment or the color is not right. Or the configuration is not right. Wow. And I have an open floor plan. So I would have a gigantic sofa, but I would expect every once in a while, someone who's looking for a gigantic sofa, I'll sell it off my floor. So I keep changing furniture. And you know, after all these years of being in the industry, I cannot really call myself a designer because I think my strength is really sales with design background. Yeah. That being said, I am educated,
0: the train as, as an interior designer. And I think that's probably why you're successful. Part of, part of it because you're able to communicate a vision of what this person's room could look like from an interior design perspective. And with that yeah. vision communicated, it's just next is just saying, this is the perfect piece of furniture for you. Even though you're saying you take the returns, the customer returns and the leftover floor models for your apartment, I guarantee your apartment probably looks better than 99% of people's apartments in New York because you put it yeah. together so well.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's, um, um you know, it's mixed mesh furniture that, put, that looks good together, basically.
0: Yeah. You've provided so much interesting uh, history, advice, storytelling today. I want to know if there's one piece of advice that you would give to entrepreneurs, what would that be?
1: Uh, go with your guts. Do it.
0: Just do it. You have
1: to do it. Yes. Because um, you don't want to regret that you didn't do it. What would happen if you did it and it didn't
0: succeed? You just go back to where you were, which is not bad. Yeah, it's like the saying you miss 100% of the shots you don't take exactly yeah
1: you know and at the end of the day um the the effort is worth it
0: so it's been wonderful having you on the show nikki thank you for joining us and thanks to everyone who tuned in today if you want to learn more about nikki's businesses you can visit caligarisnyc.com camerichusa.com and mcollection-home.com and be sure to follow Nikki on Instagram at NikkiChang55. So that is all for this edition of School of Hustle. Keep up with all of our episodes on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream and download podcasts. And if you like what you heard, please leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe to our show. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.